and welcome back to The Hit Show. My name is Danny Russell, and I am thrilled, as always, to be with my fabulous co-host, Darby Robinson. Hello, Darby. Hello, Danny, and hello, everybody listening. It's good to be back. It's been a while. (laughs) Yeah, since September, and not for lack of trying. uh, We did make attempts, and uh, technical difficulties and fate got in the way. And then uh, the off-season dragged on, and then the Rays ruined everything. And now we're in this weird world where we're less than two weeks away from spring training. We pretty much don't know whether or not this is the team that's going to be rolling. Jeff Passan says there's 70 free agents who haven't signed yet, and so it's been a a, a crazy off-season. Let's start with the elephant in the room. For the first time since April of 2008, the opening day third baseman will not be Evan Longoria. What, what, what roller coaster have you been on, Darby? Uh, that trade definitely took me by surprise. I think it took a lot of Rays fans by surprise. Being a Rays fan, you're used to going to the offseason and knowing that the team could look very different the next year. Um, nobody is a sacred cow. The most potentially sacred of all of the bovines would have been Evan Longoria, but you still thought you guys like Chris Archer, David Price, James Shields, uh, BJ Upton, Carl Crawford. We've seen amazing players here and, and they always eventually leave and sometimes they stick around and, and but they they're not going to resign, you know, but they're not going to resign. So, you know, there's a, there's a shelf life. There's a, you love them while they're here and, and you get the best out of them. Uh, but Longoria was one of those guys where you're like, well, anything can happen. Even a trade of Longoria, but probably not that. I think we all coming into the offseason, maybe Archer is going to get traded this season. Maybe Souza, Dickerson, who, you know, even Kevin Kiermeyer is like a possibility. But even though Longoria is the guy that maybe had the most talk because of a number of factors, his price, his age, injuries, decline. Eventually, if he went into the season, he would have no trade uh, rights. Right Let's now. circle back on that because that was a, a crazy narrative. But I had a very yeah. public emotional breakdown about this. I tried to burn it all down. I wrote a scathing immediate reaction of the trade once it was official. Um, I really laid this at the feet of ownership. I have yet to walk that claim back because a lot of this trade seems built around financial flexibility in the future. Mm -hmm. And I think that's extremely unfair to uh, what I think was an underpaid superstar. But I could be wrong about that underpaid element. And we can get into that as well. And and then I just really went into a Twitter uh, not to relitigate my own tweets. But I think uh, one one thing that I said on there that bears repeating is I only own Evan Longoria jerseys. I mean, I got a James Shields shirt. My sister stole my Carl Crawford shirt. Like, you can go down the list. But when it comes to actually making that huge purchase, that big investment, I've only ever trusted myself to own Evan Longoria. I mean, preseason 24, Brian Grosvick of the DFA podcast had, uh, had a preseason Tampa Bay Rays thing where Joe Madden had just left. And he was asking me, what is the future of this franchise? What is the legacy of this franchise? And what does it mean to not have Joe Madden anymore? And I said, well, what it means that he's gone is he's no longer the first bronze statue outside of the stadium. I thought Joe Madden was there to stay he would have an extremely long career and then we would honor him to no end Mm -hmm. uh 
then I said, well, then it'll definitely be Evan Longoria instead. We have that dramatic game 162 home run hands outstretched. You know, that'll be cast in bronze and that'll be outside the new stadium and maybe Ebor. We'll have to talk about that when the news is official. Um, I, I don't know who the first bronze statue will be now. It'll be of Raymond the Sea Dog. Like, I don't know. What do you What do you build a monument to with this franchise? I, I read your I read your article. I read a lot of the tweets as well. And uh, yeah, it, it was an emotional time when it happened because you were expecting everybody else to leave before Longoria, and you're not really expecting that moment to happen. And when it does, it it, it does feel like the rug has been pulled out from under you. I think in terms of legacy, though, in terms of that bronze statue in front of the the new stadium, if that ever happens in terms of the, the number being retired and, and, and in terms of all of those things that you do, I, I think you still have those memories. I think Longoria is leaving with a couple of not his best years, obviously, um, but still very, very good, very, very productive. Um, in a down year, he won the gold glove. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So th- th- that was the level that we were expecting. He was easily the most spectacular player to play for the Rays for that length of time. Before that, Carl Crawford would be your other other choice. But other than that, you have guys that were there, you know, giving their six years of service time, maybe an extra year here and there. But like Longoria seemed like the guy that would be, you know, your 10, 15 year guy. But that still doesn't really change that. I, I grew up um, traveling between Florida and uh, Oregon and with my family. And it, when it was in Oregon, I would oftentimes spend the summers being out there at a school and watching uh, Mariners games and listening to Mariners games before even the Rays had a team. Mm-hmm. And, and they were a team, the Mariners, that had some amazing players when I was a kid. And then they were traded away and they left. And then they had an amazing run with a brand new group that came from those players. But now that time has passed and the wounds of Griffey leaving and uh, the big unit leaving and A-Rod, you you start to come back. Now you have a a bronze statue of the kid with the backwards cap out in front of Safeco Field. You have those bronze statues and Longoria will have his bronze statue. It might take longer now because we'll have Mm -hmm. to get over it. But I think that's one of those things where he once he finally hangs it up he's going to do the one day contract to sign with the Rays. He's going to come back and, and maybe even be a coach or a, something involved in the organization. He'll have his bronze statue. He'll be an old timer, you know, 30 years from now playing like a charity softball game because he does have those roots and he still had the roots in California and he left that, but this is still his home and whatever happens with the giants and whatever happens potentially with another team, if he leaves from there and sticks around that, that legacy doesn't get tarnished just because of the trade. So you're saying I'm still overreacting just a smidge. <laughs> I was at the ledge with you. I was pushing people out of the way to get onto the ledge. Um, but now that it's been time, I think this is a much better, healthier way to do a podcast uh, months after a traumatic event like that of, of, of this moment, rather than the knee jerk, which is just uh, burning the Tampa Bay area to the ground. I think those reactions, if you're still feeling that out there uh, and you're listening to this, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. You should sort of be frustrated. If you're not frustrated, you don't actually care. But I will also say, I think among the people paying the most by this, 
are the people who work for the team, not just in the clubhouse, but that are actually like in the front office. Yeah, they might even be uh, the ticket sales people, like the actually part of this organization, the scouts, whatever. If you are on the Rays payroll, which we are not, even though you know sometimes I get accused of such things, <laughs> you actually have relationships with Evan Longoria. Um, he might have ridden in your car. You know, like they actually like have real relationships with these people who you know them intimately. You know their families. They are your friends. Those people, and I think this goes all the way down the front office. I think it applies to. Uh, starting at the top with Eric Neander and Stu Sternberg and going on down that they are friends with Longoria and I bet this hurt them more than it hurt any of us and they did it for their reasons which we can get into but I truly believe that as much as you and I are fans of the team the friends of Longoria are probably impacted more Um, now I want to get into just how well the front office seems to have treated Evan Longoria in this process because it seems like they approached him early Mm -hmm. and said hey uh, this is what the future of the franchise looks like and this is based on Longoria's comments in his farewell press conference they came to him they laid it out there and said, this is what the next couple of years looks like. It might get rough. Just letting you know, we're starting this youth movement. Uh, all the prospects are coming up probably mid-year in 2018. And uh, it might be still a couple more years before we're in the playoffs. Would you be interested in playing for another team if we were to explore the trade market? And would you give us a list? And by multiple accounts, you know, specifically Mark Topkin, he gave a list. He turned it over and said, these are the teams I would play for. Um, now, we can kind of infer that some of those teams that were interested in Evan Longoria, like, say, maybe the Cardinals, uh, no trade materialized. Uh, uh, the Giants were clearly the, the match made in heaven where Longoria said, hey, uh, I would take any team in California, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the Giants were interested, and a match was made. And now he's wearing that cream and orange, doing his introductory press conference, and wearing a new number. Uh, he's now mm-hmm. the number ten, and it's it's real and it's happened. But Longoria said it was respectful, and he still has the relationships with the people back on the team. Like you're saying, he'll come back. Uh, I truly believe that. Uh, it, whether or not he's number is up in lights well no nobody's wearing number three in tampa again and i do want to address that no trade clause there was this weird narrative getting thrown around oh well that no trade clause is about to kick in we better trade him now i don't believe that for a second because i can't believe there's a situation out there where the front office would have a trade offer for longoria and they wouldn't talk to him about it or they wouldn't approach him and say, like, hey, is this a place you're interested in playing? That was a, a topic propagated by the main beat writer, Mark Topkin. And I, I want to say one other thing in that regard. I, uh, in my writing on the website, did not believe what Topkin was saying about the possibility of Longoria being traded. And, in fact, emphatically encouraged people to ignore that because it's nonsense. And was not very kind to him, accusing him of clickbait which is no better than accusing him of fake news just because I didn't like what he was saying. I was wrong. I was 100% wrong. I wrote a response article on the site saying that I owed him an apology. I sincerely hope that he read that and that uh, he hears me loud and clear. I was wrong, and I am sorry. Mark Topkin, please forgive me. I wasn't just salty about it. I was rude about it. I think a lot of the arguments for trading Longoria that we saw around the league 
not so much from Mark Tompkin, but from other writers who were being mm-hmm. lazy and taking Tompkin's work and kind of boiling it down to, oh, raise their the poor team, so they're trading him because he makes money, and soon he'll have no trade clause. And that does, that really wasn't what Topkin was writing. He was really sort of saying that they are exploring that trade because they are kind of going into that rebuilding phase. So I think my own intellectual snoop is on my nose at a lot of the lazy writing I saw from big, big national writers. I, I took that out on, on Mark Topkin as well. And I think that wasn't fair because I wasn't really looking at his work necessarily. We were right in that the national media saying like, oh, the Rays are going to trade Longoria because he's making money and they're going to dump him for the first good deal they can find. That wasn't the case. Right. There was a, uh, they weren't really shopping Longoria, but they were looking to potentially do what's right for him and what's right for the team and do something tough. It's not about financial flexibility in 2018, for sure. sure. Or 2019, for that matter. In 2018, we have Denard Span coming back. You see this in the NBA a lot. You make a trade for a veteran's expiring contract. There was a complication there. Denard Span was making too much money for the Giants to uh, operate in the way that they needed to. So the Rays took that back. Now, you don't take back an expiring contract for that reason. But there does seem to be a financial element of the Rays saying, we're not going to be able to afford this in 2021 or 2022 when uh, his options get involved in holding out of the player or not, they need some level of flexibility. Now, does that have to do with all of the prospects that are about to come up? Well, they'll make the league minimum for three years. If they get promoted in the middle of 2018, then 2019, 20, and 21, uh, they're making $550,000. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. 2022, they enter arbitration together. That'll be a mess, and we'll we'll walk through prospects another day. Yeah, but there's a lot of names. There's a lot of names about to come up, and maybe the Rays are just trying to actually financially invest for the future, or maybe that new stadium is a very real thing in the financial outlay. They're actually pinching pennies to the extent that you have to trade Longoria to afford a new stadium. I, we don't know the reasons. That is the reason why I laid it at ownership's feet when I got mad is because I didn't feel like the Rays needed to trade Longoria unless they legitimately could not afford him moving forward. This does not seem like a 2018 problem, though. And that narrative doesn't work because the Rays added payroll in 2017. And right now, the Rays are going to be more expensive in 2018 than they were in 2017. We have the fourth most increase of payroll from our 2017 opening day payroll. So, Is that uh, in percentage or dollars? Uh, that's in percentage. That is a misleading uh, statistic because most teams have not spent any money. Let's put a button on Longoria because I think there's an interesting transition there. So Denard Spang comes back, uh, our presumable left fielder. Yeah. Um, Gray in his beard. And also Christian Arroyo is coming back. He's a shortstop prospect. He's probably a second baseman on this Rays team, uh, given the presence of Matt Duffy and Willie Adamas. Second base is the path of least resistance. But here's the interesting thing. Evan Longoria's trade value was so slim that the Rays had to add a little bit of money to it to make the values work. I think that little bit of cash it is not a sign of desperation on the race part and more a sign of the Giants valuing Evan Longoria in a similar way to the way that the Rays would value Evan Longoria. What I mean by that is the fan graphs way of breaking down 
prospects and trades and the values of players and what they hold. There is a surplus value. It's the value that you get above and beyond what the player's being paid based on how much it costs to buy a win, essentially is how we break it down. And that Fangraphs methodology seems to have propagated in the league because trades are starting to make sense across the board. There's no more Andrew Friedman-esque Mm-hmm. unbelievable, wow, the Rays pulled a fast one kind of deals anymore. I just don't think they're out there to be had. I think that's the reason Jake Odorizzi is still on this roster and probably pitches for the Rays next year. Because I think the Rays would have traded him, but they haven't. I think, for me, the the lack of those moves and, and sort of, I guess, the, the benefit of not trading like Archer and all that, it kind of showed that the Rays weren't doing a Loria-esque fire sale. That again, some of the national media sort of members like were, were kind of leaning towards, but they were valuing their players at, at a correct level and they were looking to get that value. However, they're not being traded. They're not just taking whatever deal they're offering because the Rays know these are valuable pieces. The fact that this isn't really a fire sale helps to showcase that the Longoria trade is a, is a different beast, but it is a reset. There's definitely an element of let's find out what we have and we'll promote the kids eventually when they're ready sometime during the year and we'll be able to move forward because there are major league players entrenched around the infield now replacing Longoria is not going to be as hard as replacing what the race had at first base in Logan Morrison if you got in the time machine and went back to that conversation between me and Brian Grosnick and told me, well, in a couple seasons, uh, the Rays are going to trade Evan Longoria, and they're actually going to have to include some cash to acquire uh, the kind of prospect. Because the Giants now value players the same way that the Rays do. Mm-hmm. I would have said, what? When the, the, the mentality that we're using is the mentality that the Brewers are using, and the one that the Marlins seem okay with, and the ones that the Giants are using, I think that speaks to all of the teams are smart now. We no longer have Kevin Towers, rest in peace, God bless that man, uh, just spoken of as one of the best men in baseball, and he recently passed away after um, uh, a year-plus battle with cancer. He will be missed uh, on the baseball scene in general. (laughs) His trades were creative, and they were pretty hard to make sense out of them, and I love them. It added entertainment and value, and it gave you something to sink your teeth into and kind of figure out and maybe say, hey, what kind... What's the way that he's valuing prospects versus the way that we value prospects? And how can we find something that works best for the Rays? And you could could piece things together and you could dream up ways to try to take advantage. I don't think that taking advantage exists anymore because the Diamondbacks are no longer Kevin Towers' team. They are the analytics staff from the Red Sox. The Brewers are the analytics staff from the Rays. Uh, the, The Diamondbacks are trying to compete with the Padres who robbed... The Rangers, <laughs> the, the analytics is everywhere and it goes beyond pitch effects and hit effects. Like they have advanced systems. Baseball Prospectus is putting pitch tunneling out there. But then the next article on Baseball Prospectus is, by the way, the Cubs have had this for years. Mm-hmm. There's no longer teams that don't know what they're talking about, don't know what they're doing. And, and that really it almost adds a element of uh, it, it almost like equalizes the playing field, but it also kind of makes it a little bit boring because you want the, the Kevin towers of the world and the, uh, you know, you still have Dave Dombrowski, but you want the guys that are more going from the gut and just saying like, I just, this is what I feel. 
And yeah. it added a fun element of like, I have no idea what's happening. Like I wouldn't have made that trade. What is he seeing? And sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. And it was just kind of, you know, it was good for baseball. Not that I'm some sort of ludite and thinking like, let's get rid of analytics and the computer. Well, a lot of people would that. say it was good for baseball because 70 free agents left who presumably would yeah. sign guaranteed deals are still out there. Well, let's let's get into that. The big offseason news is, well, the fact that there isn't an offseason. Uh, you still right. have the top of the top free agents on the market. You had you Darvish. You had J.D. Martinez, Jake uh, Arietta, Eric Hosmer, Lorenzo Kane, Mike Moustakis, Alex Cobb. One of those guys has been signed. One. Mm-hmm. That's it. And it, that, is, that is crazy. Now, there's, a lot of, there's been a lot of articles about this because – that's what we have to talk about. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> that's everything. We can't talk about players that got signed because it's sort of like uh, nobody's got a sign. So the reason behind this, and we, you kind of touched on it, maybe it's everybody is kind of working with the same sort of, not same data, but everybody's working with data. Uh, but what, yeah. what, is your, what is your reason? What, why do you think this offseason has been so slow? Because it has affected the Rays because suddenly we don't have a team that's willing to trade their young a superstar prospect. There's that's there's no more surprises, and that's and that's kind of the the unfun. That's that's where it actually becomes not an equal playing field because that's where the Rays and the A's. That's where us poor teams had an advantage. We were smart. Right. The big rich teams, you had the Dodgers and the Cubs and the Yankees and the Red Sox, all just throwing bad money after bad money after bad money at these old inflated free agents that we didn't want. They mm-hmm. we weren't going to compete for, and we didn't really want them in the first place. But now the Yankees and the Dodgers, Andrew Friedman's Dodgers, are the smartest teams in baseball. They have analytics and they have $200 million to play with. (laughs) And no one's getting signed. So the question is, is there collusion? Is this Uh, some kind of grand conspiracy that all the major league teams got together and said to themselves, hey, you know what? What if we just didn't give out giant contracts? What if we just, you know pretended like you Darvish was too expensive or what if we you know manipulate the market down so that you know you Darvish will be cheaper to all of us that's so much harder of an answer <laughs> than what seems like the likely truth and that's mm-hmm. that teams are smarter and they know how to properly value what they're getting out of a player you don't want to pay JD Martinez after four years J.D. Martinez is going to be fantastic for four years. But after that, you don't want to be locked into having to continue pay J.D. Martinez for three more seasons. Who wants to give him a seven-year deal, eight-year deal? Even if he can DH, it doesn't make any sense. I don't want to pay the seventh year to J.D. Martinez. And then people go, oh, it must be collusion. Everyone suddenly realized that it's not good to give out 10-year contracts. It's like, no, every team gained common sense. Until I see a secret memo, I do not believe there is collusion. (laughs) I I don't think I don't think there's collusion. It's a fun narrative because it's crazy. Uh, It's it's conspiratorial. It's wild. Uh, I think it's not something that's that's unheard of in baseball. It's a a huge part of baseball history that really isn't talked about that much because it's really shameful that this was allowed. And it happened. 
That is not what's happening here. I, I just cannot believe it. What I can believe, I don't know if I also believe that it's just everybody's smart now. Okay. I don't think it's that. I think here's what's crazy is I think there is a bit of everything happening. This is a weird off season and I don't think you're going to see, well, we're not going to see it next off season because people are going to be falling over themselves to sign oh, yeah. and Manny Machado. You do have the Pied Piper free agency, Scott Boris owning a lot of the top talent and Boris is a guy that waits he waits. He bleeds teams dry. He gets teams desperate. Suddenly, teams are not wanting to do that. Teams, you're seeing teams starting to shift what they value. And suddenly, the Rays, being out ahead of the pack, have now the pack is sort of caught up in terms of what teams value. And that's kind of a hard thing because... Suddenly, we're not looking at the the scrappy player that's super flawed because he didn't hit too many home runs because now every team, now the Yankees are looking at that guy. Let's walk this all the way out. So the list of free agents leaving Tampa Bay. Here's what's interesting about what this market has done. Alex Cobb is out there, and he has not signed yet when you would expect him to sign for plenty of money. But uh, who has signed is Tommy Hunter and Steve Ciszek. Steve Ciszek is getting two years and 13 millions from the Cubs. Uh, Tommy Hunter is getting two year 18 from the Phillies. Tommy Hunter signed a minor league deal with the Rays to join them uh, in 2017. And now he's getting $18 million commitments. There's this weird middle ground of free agents who are getting signed and getting signed aggressively, getting paid more than they otherwise might have before. But the the lower end and the higher end are being left out to dry. Because lower end because no one knows what's going to happen, and the lower end gets signed at the end. And the higher end's not moving because everybody's just going for the affordable pieces in the middle. So Alex Cobb isn't signed. Nathan Eovaldi was technically a free agent. The Rays exercised his option on his contract. So they get for $2 million uh, what is going to be Alex Cobb's replacement in the rotation. Logan Morrison is still a free agent. Lucas Duda is still a free agent. And Sergio Romo, who finally figured things out when uh, he <coughs> spurned the Rays' advances last year to go to the Dodgers, got cut, came back to the Rays, and became good. Okay. You'd think Sergio Romo would come back as well. He has not because there's so much ambiguity on the market. But I think this is a really interesting opportunity for the Rays because, I mean, dream big with me here. Let's say money in 2018 is not the problem. The Rays are willing to spend a little bit. And maybe you end up cutting a couple guys because you have to. So let's let's say Brad Miller gets cut. But you're able to re-sign Logan Morrison to a one-year deal. Because the market is such a tailspin that the Royals are paralyzed and the Padres are paralyzed. And they are keep fighting over Eric Hosmer. And Logan Morrison wants to know where he's going to be playing in less than two weeks for spring training. How do you take advantage of this presumably colluded environment? You step in, you spend just a little bit more money to complete that deal for Longoria. Spend a little bit more money and bring back Sergio Romo and find one or two relievers. Thank you guys for listening to us again. Please tune in next time. There'll be a lot of fun things to talk about. Hope you're along for the ride. For Danny, Darby, and Dustin in the studio. Uh, see you guys next time.